What's going on, everybody? I'm Thomas Robertson, your host for Outside the Glass. This is episode 10. We're 10 weeks old now, everybody. It's exciting. And more exciting news, we actually have a new member of the Outside the Glass team. Say what's up to the people, Katie. Hi. (laughs) So we have an exciting slate of topics for you today. Uh, So we're just going to jump right into it. Katie has actually been covering... The Blackhawks for the site just put out a great article on the Blackhawks. Check that out at puresportsnetwork.com. And other news with the Blackhawks, they just made a trade with the Coyotes. Tell us a little bit about that, Katie. So the Blackhawks are sending Richard Ponick and Laurent Dauphin to the Coyotes for Anthony Duclair and Adam Clendenning. Uh, it's going to be a... Both Ponick and Duclair will stay up in the NHL. The other two will stay in the AHL, probably. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think they're both evenly matched when it comes to what they've been doing this season. Ponick's six goals and ten assists, and Duclair is nine goals and six assists. Other than that, I just, I don't know. I think Blackhawks are going to take the trade and mm-hmm. win it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I would say the Blackhawks win this trade, even though they've been a little more even in production this season. Duclair actually has averaged more points per game in his career. He's played less. He's played 190 games and has put up 81 points. Panic's got 300 total games with 107 points. So slightly higher rate of production for Duclair. And what doesn't make sense to me about this trade is that like, I feel as if Arizona is kind of in rebuilding mode. And they, they've given up with this trade a 22-year-old promising young player in return gets someone who's almost 27 and has actually a higher cap hit. So the two things you want when you rebuild are young players and cap space. And so with this trade, they've just they've completely gone away from that. So I think it's it's pretty nuts. The only thing I can think that Arizona was thinking was Ponick had a good turnaround when he was traded from Toronto to Chicago. He played better once he left his baggage in Toronto, and maybe he'll do that with Chicago going to Arizona. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the cap hit with Ponick is a little high for what he's been doing, and I don't think Duclair is worth it mm-hmm. to give up. But. Yeah, yeah, we, I mean, we've seen this in the past, as, you, as, you, as you've talked about to me multiple times, that the Blackhawks know what they're doing with these midseason trades. So I, I think that's just another example of that with this trade. And I don't know, I guess maybe the Coyotes see something in, in, in Dauphine, the, the minor league center that they got in this trade as well. But other than that, I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe Duclair, you mentioned earlier that Duclair actually wanted out of the Coyote situation. So that's really the only thing. Maybe there was some bad blood between them, but that's really all I could think of that Arizona was thinking. He wanted out, and Arizona had been saying there hadn't been much on the table for Duclair in recent months. They had been testing the waters for a Mm. while, and it started out hot for him, and then it dropped off when he didn't really produce this season, and they said that the... Blackhawks offer is the best one they'd seen in a while. So maybe they really did just want him out. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. The Blackhawks have been gotten off kind of to a slow start, so maybe this can jumpstart their season in some kind of way. Uh, They've been heating up a little bit in terms of production, so adding Duclair definitely could help that situation. And it clears up cap space for the trade deadline, so... Definitely. It'll be interesting to see what Stan Bowman can do at that deadline. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so speaking of disappointing teams, we're going to go ahead and, and give you our 
surprises and disappointments of the season in terms of in terms of teams and what they've been able to do. So start us off, Katie. Who you got for for surprise teams this year? Surprise teams. I'm gonna go. My number one surprise team is Winni- the Winnipeg Jets. Mm. They finished last year fifth in the Central, ninth in the West, and they didn't really add a lot of people in the offseason that were big names. And it, what's really even impressive about them is Patrick Laine isn't even their top point scorer. He's, right now he's at third with 19 goals and 17 assists, but Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley have been producing a lot. Wheeler has 14 goals, 38 assists. Shifley has 15 goals and 23 assists. Of course, Shifley's out six to eight weeks after going down on December 27th, but they still have a lot of people producing. They have mm-hmm. six players, including Shifley, with 10-plus goals, eight players, including him, with 20-plus goals, and their goaltending has been amazing. Connor Hellebuck, he's been fantastic for them for sure. And, yeah, I mean, they didn't make a whole lot of moves. It, it just kind of seems like things have come together for them at the right time. And Patrick Lane, he he even has room for improvement from yeah. where he's been producing right now. I mean, I would expect him to actually have scored even more goals than what he's put up so far. But they're definitely t- dangerous on offense. They've got great goaltending, so I don't see a whole lot of weaknesses with that team. One of my biggest surprises this season's actually been the New Jersey Devils. They finished last in the Metropolitan last year. Now they're Right in the middle of the playoff picture, they have an exciting group of rookies led by Nico Heeshear and Jesper Bratt, who have been really dynamic on offense with what they've been able to do. And they've really been the core of this team's success. They also added Marcus Johansson in a trade in the offseason with the Washington Capitals. He... It's good news for them because he hasn't really been able to get into the swing of the season as much as he would want to. He's had injury problems on and off. I think he had an ankle issue and a couple other issues. So once he gets back to 100%, that's going to be really good for this team as well. So with those additions on on the front end, they've been able to score a lot more goals. They're 22-11-8 this season. I know a, f- a few people were picking them to kind of be at least improved from, from the mark that they put up last season, but they started off as easily the best team in the Metro at the beginning of the season. Now that the Capitals are surging, they've given up that top spot. But they also traded for Sammy Vatanen from the Ducks earlier in the season, and that's proven to be a pretty good trade for them. I was I was skeptical because of Adam, Reek, the fo- Adam Henrique, the forward that they gave up was such a leader in that locker room, but Vatanen's been good for them, so they've been they've been pretty good overall. Goaltending's great with Corey Schneider, so they've been one of my biggest surprises this season for sure. I've been surprised with some of their like smaller, lesser known guys like Miles Wood, who came into the league was more of like an enforcer, has produced pretty well. He has mm-hmm. uh, he has eleven goals, eight assists, so like they're mm-hmm. getting production from all over that lineup, which is good for the long run. Definitely, definitely, and. In terms of another surprise team, who do you have, Katie? I mean, you have to go Vegas. Mm-hmm. No one thought Vegas was going to do anything. Everybody thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They thought they were going to be worse than Arizona, and mm-hmm. they're killing it right now. I just, 
I mean, William Carlson is out on a breakout season. Mm-hmm. He's already passed his production from his career best seasons before, which took him 81 games to achieve, and he's done it in 41 this time. It's just, they're insane. Yeah, it's been incredible. And they were also able to pick up Jonathan Marcheseau from the Florida Panthers, I believe, and he had a pretty great season last year. I'm kind of surprised they didn't protect him, but scooped him up. He's put up a lot of goals for them. James Neal, veteran leadership, Marc-Andre Fleury, and, and Ned is obviously, he's had some injury problems, but he's back now. So they've definitely been an incredible surprise, and I think most people probably had them at the very bottom of the standings. And another team that people had at the very bottom of the standings that has proven people wrong is the Colorado Avalanche. They were 22, get this, they were 22-56-4 last season, 22 wins all year. And right now they're 22-16-3. and three. They, have, they have the same amount of wins at this point in the season that they did all year last year, which is just incredible. And last season, this team, I, I, there was kind of a burden of what's going to happen with Matt Duchesne. I think it was weighing on not only Duchesne, but really the whole team and the whole front office. I think that their attention was really all caught up in what are we going to do with Duchesne. They moved him early in the season this season, and I think that's kind of freed up the play of everybody on that team, including and especially Nathan McKinnon, who's just been absolutely ridiculous. Miko Rontanen's having a breakout season with 41 points. They've been a really dynamic duo. So it'll be interesting to see how far they can carry them, though, because I still think there's some problems on the back end with this team. Tyson Berry, their best defenseman, is out for a few more weeks. And he had a 27-point season going. The goaltending has been, eh, it's been okay. Varlamov has had a decent season. I think he's got about a 9-10 save percentage in that ballpark. Bernier, their backups, he's been okay, hovering around a 900 save percentage. So it could be better in terms of goaltending. So on the back end, it'll be interesting to see if they can sustain that success. But on their forwards have been absolutely incredible. Nathan McKinnon, man. I, I give Nathan McKinnon props for being able to produce the way he has after the burden and the dark cloud that was the Matt Duchesne issue. The fact that he he's at, like, 52 points right now. Yeah, 18 goals, 34 assists. He's just – he needed this season, I think. He's always been that player that's, like, right there but hasn't quite broken through. And then this season he has been unstoppable, especially of late, especially since November when Duchesne was traded. Mm, absolutely. He's definitely surged since then. And we're going to switch over now to some of our disappointments this season. Uh, I'll start it off with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They, obviously, two-time repeat Stanley Cup champions. And trying to defend that title this season, it doesn't look like everything is going very well in Pittsburgh right now. Matt Murray's had some injury problems this season. So... If he's able to return to, to the form that we've seen him be able to play in the postseason, then that will be huge for this team. But the biggest problem I see with them is their scoring depth because they they lost Chris Kunitz to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've lost Nick Benino, the Predators. Those spots have not really been sufficiently filled. Even their top line guys, like Sidney Crosby, has had kind of a down year, honestly, as surprising as that may sound he 
has averaged over a point per game every season in his career, but this season he's not on pace for that. That's been a big blow to this team for sure. And they're just not getting the production that they might have expected to get out of a guy like Jake Gensel. He, he's he's six on their team in, in points right now, but the way that he was playing in the playoffs, 21 points in 25 games, right now he's only got 23 points in 44 games. So you, you would want a young guy like that to continue to, to develop, but it looks like he's kind of taken a step back. Carl Haglin has been horrible for them, seven points in 43 games played. That's not getting it done by any any stretch of the imagination. So they're just not able to get points out of anybody except for that top line of Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, or those top three guys. So it's been concerning for Pittsburgh for sure. Well, one of my concerning teams and disappointing teams, it's a little interesting because they're still in the playoff picture, but I think that they're they they have to make a change for it to really get into the playoffs and make a run. And it's the Carolina Hurricanes. They have a, they have great forwards. They have great young guys. You have Tavo Teravainen and uh, Sebastian Ajo who are producing at consistent rates. Ajo's 15 goals, 20 assists. Teravainen's 11 goals, 24 assists. And you add that in with uh, young leadership and someone like Jeff Skinner who can still produce. It's they have a great offense. They have the ability to make the playoffs, but their goaltending needs to get a lot better. You have Scott Darling, who out of goalies who have played 20 games, he's faced the fourth lowest shots against, but at the same time, he's the second lowest save percentage at 8.96. And even when you throw in Cam Ward, who's played 18 games, he has the lowest shots against and still only has a .902 save percentage. It's They're not playing well in the net and it's showing. I mean, their defense has been helping them out as much as they can. Uh, Noah Hannafin has really started to put together a great season. He's made his first all-star game this year. He's seven goals, 14 assists. So not only is he helping on defense, he's getting in offensively, but every game it seems that the goalies just give it up for them. Right. I mean, you look at those numbers. So so little shots allowed for their goaltenders. Their defense is clearly doing that the absolute best they can, but not getting any help from their goalies. That's very concerning for Carolina. A lot of people actually had them as a, as a surprise, a team that would surprise this season. And they've, they've definitely taken some steps forward, but maybe not as much as a lot of people would, would have would have hoped. Yeah, I had written an article about them before the season even started saying. Uh, I had put together an article of like five predictions, and one of my predictions mm-hmm. was that the Hurricanes were going to make a run at the playoffs because going into the season – them getting Scott Darling seemed like this great thing. He was a solid backup in Chicago, and he seemed like he was ready to take over a starting role, but maybe the pressure of being the starter, it's a little hard for him, and it's kind of what he's faced. Because there have been some goals he's let in that they've come from center ice and just bounced in, and you're like, what are you doing? Like that's You can't mm-hmm. let that in. Yeah, for sure. And another team, talking about scoring depth with the Penguins, another team that has that problem that people were picking them as the cup favorite for this season, the Edmonton Oilers. They... I, I picked them as a cup favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, you're not alone in that, trust me. They have been not just disappointing, they've been bad. As they, a, they've, they've been, been horrible. Pretty bad. It's it, they've lost five of their last six games right now. After a pretty good stretch, too, it looked like they were getting hot. They were figuring some things out. 
And it's just kind of one step forward, two steps back for this team right now. They have no production outside of Connor McDavid and Drysaddle. Maybe Nugent Hopkins has done a little bit for them as well. But besides that, not not a whole lot that you're seeing from this team. I mean, when Milan Lucic is your fourth highest point scorer and he's he's really more of a thug than anything else, then you've got some problems on your team. So. Yeah, I think that it's starting to hit them that they can't solely rely on Connor McDavid to carry this team into the playoffs. I mean, he's on pace for another season like last year. He's on pace for 100 points, but you can't just have one player get 100 points and expect to be a top team in the league. Not at all. They're, even besides scoring depth, their goaltending's been mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Cam Talbot, I mean... He was a he was a great goaltender last season, one of the best in the league actually. And and you look at this season, over three goals against average, nine oh two save percentage, is not going to get it done for this Edmonton team, especially when you're not putting up goals or putting up any run support for him. So it's it's been a struggle for this Edmonton team for sure. And we're gonna move forward to it's coming up on uh, on All Star Weekend now. We've the lineups have been set, and with that comes, obviously, some players that maybe should have been in the lineup that didn't get in, so we're going to talk about some all-star snubs here. And we'll start with you, Katie. Who do you have as, as some of the people that you think should have been in that lineup that didn't quite make it? Uh, I I had Clayton Keller as my top one that probably should have been in the lineup. He has 14 goals, 18 assists in his rookie season. He's been the only bright spot down in Arizona. Uh as a 19-year-old, he's pretty much carrying that team. Of course, not carrying him to a playoff spot anytime <laughs> soon. But I think he definitely should have found his way into the All-Star game this year. He's done well. He's played great games. He's fun to watch, which is a really big thing to have in the All-Star game. You want to have the players that are a little flashier, a little more quick and fun to watch. You don't want to have like the enforcers. Like You don't want to Milan Lucic necessarily in the All-Star game all the time because he's not the flashiest player to watch. And I think that should have gotten him in there, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. I also said William Carlson of the Vegas Golden Knights. Wild Bill. He's having a breakout year, 22 goals, 14 assists, and he just didn't get it in. I had both him and Keller probably – they should have been in there instead of James Neal. Mm-hmm. But I think James Neal kind of brings that name recognition right now. Right. Keller and Carlson are both young guys who aren't haven't really made the name for themselves. Yeah. But mm-hmm. both of them have higher points than Neal does. Definitely. That's what you. I think you see that pretty often with with all star games and all sports. Is you see those big names getting in over maybe some more deserving players. Especially, I mean, Keller. You look at his numbers and they're really solid. I don't necessarily jump off the page, but for what he's done in in Arizona, it's been incredible because of just how horrible that team is. Yeah, it's impressive because he doesn't have the support necessarily. He doesn't even have good line mates, honestly. Yeah, no, he's by himself in this Right. I mean, Arizona is a team that maybe in a couple years, Keller's definitely going to be in the All-Star game because he will have that support where he'll get more points. I mean, they need players to develop. Mm -hmm. They're bad right now. Yeah. So... Talking about that that kind of name recognition, I actually have quite a few big names that, that still didn't even make it for reasons really just beyond me. I can't even think of why some of these guys didn't get in. I mean, you look at Vladimir Tarasenko. That's one, of the, that's one of the bigger names in the, in the Central Division and the biggest star on the St. Louis Blues who have had an incredible season. And he's got 
19 goals, 25 assists. And you look at a guy like Eric Stahl, who made the all-star lineup, who has 19 goals, same amount of goals for them, but seven less assists, seven less points for Eric Stahl. And Eric Stahl made the lineup in the Central Division. Tarasenko wasn't able to make it in. And in terms of the Metro... Here's here's something crazy for you to chew on for a second here. Jakub Voracek has 43 assists this season. 43. Taylor Hall has 42 points. And Taylor Hall made the lineup from the Metro. Voracek left out. His line mate Claude Giroux gets in. But I think when you look at what Voracek's done in terms of putting up more assists than a guy in the All-Star game has points, I think that's something something to note. Phil Kessel also doesn't make it in with five more points than Taylor Hall, 18 goals, 29 assists. So he's got more goals and assists than all, but doesn't get in still. And the most perplexing one to me comes from the Atlantic Division. You look at the goaltenders, Carey Price. This goes back to name recognition. I think Carey Price has been one of the best goaltenders in the NHL for many years now, but only a 2.89 goals against average this season, 9.11 save percentage. And he gets in over a guy like Tuka Rask, who's completely carried this Boston Bruins team in the second half of the season, has a 2-2-3 goals against 9-20 save percentage. You're not going to find a whole lot of goaltenders in the league right now that have better numbers than that. So kind of perplexing to me, especially with that goaltender situation in the Atlantic that Price gets in and, and Rask is left out. I think Tuka Rask maybe not getting in is just he did have some bumps in the road this season, but of late he has been that mm-hmm. all-star goalie. But his early season struggles struggles are the only reason I can see him not. Yeah, it, it was it, it was a rough start for Rask for sure, but I mean you could say the same yeah, about Price, Carey Price. So they've had some bad games in Montreal. This it's season. it's definitely an interesting decision. Not sure that I completely understand it, but. That's the all-star game for you, so you're definitely going to get some some questionable decisions when it yeah, comes to Yeah, I think ever since they moved from being just solely Eastern Conference versus Western Conference, and they do have to split it up now between the Pacific, Central, Metropolitan, Atlantic, you are going to get guys who probably would have gotten in if it was still conference versus conference. That's an interesting point, yeah, definitely, because you you're able to – select for more of a you have to put certain guys and you have to fill out a certain squad for a smaller pool of players so maybe you have some more questionable decisions there that's an interesting point and moving on from that we had only three games in the NHL last night but definitely some interesting action and some interesting storylines to look at from from those games so first recap we're going to start off with is Buffalo takes down the Columbus Blue Jackets in Definitely somewhat of an upset in that game. And that snaps a five-game losing streak for the Sabres. So they've they've been, without question, the second-worst team in the NHL behind, we all know, the Arizona Coyotes are just terrible. So Sabres have had a lot of struggles, but they're able to pick up a win last night, put up a few goals. Their goaltending has actually been one of their bright spots for them. Yeah, their goaltending last night was good. He faced 45 shots. Four, yeah, that's... And only let one in. That's yeah, good. Definitely also kind of a testament to how bad that, that Sabres blue line is <laughs> yeah. as well, but able to get carried through with that with a great goaltending performance. And Columbus, who's been one of the top teams in the Metro pretty much all season, is is looking definitely shakier right now. 3-4-1 and one 
in their last eight games and kind of struggling to score goals without a couple of their star forwards, Cam Atkinson and Brandon Dubinsky, both on IR right now. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to get other guys to step up or once they get them back, how it plays out for for Columbus. And speaking on that game, Buffalo has been pretty bad this year, but you have to give props to Jack Eichel. That guy is on a bad team, but he seems determined to at least get them to get some wins. He had two points last night. One was an assist, one was a goal. I think if he can get guys around him, I think it's similar to the situation in Arizona with Clayton Keller. If the Sabres can bring in guys to surround Jack Eichel, that team will get better and will be a contender for the playoffs in the next couple of seasons. Definitely, and Eichel, one of the guys that did make the All-Star game, 18 goals, 23 assists this season. He's on a three-game point streak right now. Actually has six points in his last three, so he's been he's been hot to say the least, and definitely one of the young bright spots right now in the NHL is a great talent. Um, moving on from that, another three-one contest last night, and another upset actually in, in the league. Carolina, I'd, fair to say, all three of these games were, were fairly decent upsets, but Carolina takes down the Capitals three to one last night. Uh, on the other hand, Buffalo snaps a five-game losing streak last night, and the Caps actually have their five-game win streak snapped last night by Carolina, and an 11-game home winning streak for the Caps. So really impressive what the Caps were being able to do, but they're stopped by the Hurricanes last night, and it's been really impressive to see what the young guys on this Hurricanes team have been able to do. What can you say about them, Katie? Yeah, like I said earlier, Sebastian Ajo, I mean, he has a goal last night. He And he's only 20 years old. That kid's going to be amazing in a couple years. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things that has been hard to watch hockey when all these guys who are my age are out there making millions and playing really well, and I'm sitting in college right now. <laughs> like this. And Jordan Stahl, too, he has a goal last night. He's continuing... To produce, which is really good for them, with to get some veteran action. In Absolutely. The game. But some of these young guys, Victor Rask, Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravainen, this team is going to be scary in a couple of years. Like we said earlier, if they can get that goalie situation under control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a big win for them. Again, we talked about them being kind of a disappointing team, but maybe this win could get them on the right track. You never know. Uh, again, like we said, Ajo. Goal last night, 12 points in his last nine, super hot. Tara Vinen, six in his last five. So they've been they've been hot recently, but it's just a question of whether they can they can outscore the other team because they're going to be letting in a fair amount of goals with that goaltending situation. And last game of last night, Calgary takes down Tampa Bay, arguably the best team in the league right now, five to one. Commanding win too. Yeah, definitely a blowout for them. Not something that Tampa Bay is used to to having. But it it certainly wasn't even a close game, especially after it was one one Calgary pulled away. And the young stars on Calgary have this team rolling and yeah. red hot, not to be they're, too punny. Yeah, they're on fire. <laughs> I mean, Johnny Gaudreau had two points last night. Moynihan had one. Gaudreau, he is so good. I mean, he is going to carry this team for years to come. He's incredible. Last night showed why. Ten points in his last five games. <laughs> that's, that's something. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, and Moynihan too. Like with those two guys as your stars, you have that ability to go far, and they are getting production out of some of their not big name guys too. So that's going to help them. And the fact that they were able to beat the Lightning five to one last night, and they only had twenty four shots. It's like it's not like they were in the forty plus range for mm. shots. They just were good on shooting last night and finding the back of the net. Yeah, they had, they got some snipers on that team, as you mentioned, Goodrow and. Mentioned some of that, some of those non big name guys producing Michael Furlan for them. Yeah. Eight points in his last four games. He's actually on a four game goal streak. So he, he picked up another one last night against Tampa Bay. He's been, he's been red hot. The Lightning are starting to show some, some signs of weaknesses. They've lost three of their last five. And biggest news from this game last night was Victor Hedman, the arguably one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Certainly, Lightning's best defenseman actually went down with a lower body injury, didn't return to the game. And from what I've been seeing, Tampa Bay is pretty concerned that this could be a very serious injury. So, yeah, Victor Hedman is not someone you want to lose if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. That is your one of your stars besides Steven Stamkos. That is your guy, right? And that would hurt them down the road if he can't come back soon. And he's a rock, he's just been a model of consistency for them. They've got Kucherov and Stamkos on. Uh, on the forward side, but you, you've had some injury struggles with Stamkos. Kucherov is really just starting to blow up, but Hedman's been the model of consistency for Tampa Bay and kind of been their rock. So that's going to be a really tough loss for them to take. And hopefully for Tampa Bay, he's not out for too long. But from what they're saying, it seems like it could be a serious injury. And Tonight, Friday night, only three games last night, but we got a more extensive slate of games tonight. Going to have five quality matchups, and they're going to start off with the Canucks taking on the Blue Jackets. Again, we talked about the Blue Jackets kind of on a questionable stretch lately, but they get a struggling Canucks team at home, so maybe this will be a chance for them to bounce back. Katie, what do you think? I definitely think this is a bounce-back game for them. Uh, Canucks are only 16-21-6 this year, and the fact they're playing in Columbus, this is a winnable game for them, and if they can't win tonight, that's when some concerns really do show because this is a extremely winnable game for them. Definitely, and there's going to be some key forwards missing from this matchup. Bo Horvat for the Canucks, Dubinsky and Atkinson, like we said, for the Blue Jackets, so... I'm kind of expecting more of a low-scoring matchup, but I do expect the Blue Jackets to come out on top. So if you're throwing your money around on some NHL action, I would go with the Blue Jackets and the under on that matchup. Flames playing again tonight in a back-to-back, taking on the Panthers, so a little bit of a a way back-to-back for for this Calgary team in Florida. Hopefully they're enjoying some of that tropical sunshine in the winter because they're going to have to go back to Calgary Calgary soon. not bringing the nice heat for them. No, not at all, but... They, again, this Flames team's been really hot. Five-game win streak. Taking on the Panthers at home, though. The Panthers were on a five-game win streak not too long ago. James Reimer's incredible play carried them, but they've definitely fallen off since then. So, wouldn't be surprised to see the Flames get a road win here. What do you think about that, Katie? I think it will definitely be a win for the Flames. I don't think it... Last night, with a 5-1 win against Tampa Bay was huge. Even though the Panthers aren't as good as Tampa Bay, I don't think it will be another 5-1 win. I think it may be a little closer, but just because it's back-to-back nights, I don't think they're going to have as much speed as they did last night. Mm -hmm. But I think even on the back-to-back games, I think they'll still be able to win tonight with players like Goudreau and Moynihan. Absolutely. Especially, again, like you said, on an away back-to-back can be pretty tough for a team to come out with 
with as much explosiveness as the Flames did last night. But I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. I, I, the, the Panthers have struggled since that five-game win streak, and I would expect the big boys for Calgary to show up again just because of, again, we talked about how ridiculously hot they are. Goudreau averaging two points per game in his last five. So I'm, I'm going to take questionable goaltending for both sides. I'm going to take the over and the Flames in this one. Uh, even if you're looking at a six-goal six over-under, I'm taking the over in that one in the Flames. Blackhawks talked about them a decent amount on this show today. They're hosting the Jets. This is going to be an interesting one because you talked about the Jets as one of your surprise teams and how good they've been, but we've also been giving a lot of attention to how hot the Blackhawks are. So what do you think is going to happen here? I think this is almost a must, not necessarily a must win for the Blackhawks, but it will definitely help them. They're coming off of a loss to Minnesota. They're, I think, two points out of a playoff spot right now. And but on the they've been producing. You know, the last time they played Winnipeg, they played in Winnipeg in mid December and they beat the Jets five to one. Mm. And now they're at home in the United Center, which around the league is known as one of the hardest places to play just because of how loud it gets. And I think the Blackhawks will I think the Blackhawks will pull off a win tonight. They have Jonathan Taves now producing after a slow start to the season. They have Nick Schmaltz, who's really coming into his own right now. Patrick Kane has not had a bad slump at all this season. And, again, their question mark is if they can keep producing on the offensive side with someone like Taves. And then also the goalie situation right now in Chicago is a little rough just because uh, Corey Crawford's on IR. And um, I got a notification earlier. They're still not saying much about him and when he'll be back. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, Jeff Glass, who's apparently probably starting tonight in goal for the Blackhawks, hasn't been bad. He didn't get his first career start until recently, and he's in his 30s. Mm-hmm. But I think I think he'll be fine tonight. I think it will definitely be a close game. It's not going to be a blowout either way. I think it will be close, but I think the Blackhawks will probably pull out a win. Yeah. Again, like you said, I would have to agree with this is probably the biggest game for the Blackhawks this season because of – they're coming off of a stretch where they're starting to get really hot a couple games in a row, then they take a step back the other night. So if they put up another loss, I think it could be the difference between them starting to find their legs and, and really starting to put together a nice stretch of, of wins. Or if they put up a loss, I, I also could see this team kind of starting to lose confidence and fall apart without Corey Crawford. So. It's going to be interesting. I think a win for them, especially in division against a team like the Jets, would be huge. And it's going to be almost too close to call for me, honestly. But at home, again, like you said, that that atmosphere is great for Chicago. So I'm take, I'll take the Blackhawks in the over. And on top of that, they're, they need to start winning now. They have this game against Winnipeg at home. They have a game on Sunday at home against Detroit. Then they have their bye week. And then they come off their bye week with New York, Tampa Bay, and Toronto. Mm. And they're all at home. But that's a hard stretch. But the bye week in between may help them out. But I think if they can get this win and then a win in, against Detroit on Sunday and then into the bye week, I think things may start to turn around for them. Yeah, with the bye week coming up, that that makes it even bigger, honestly, for this team. To, you want to go into that bye week on a high note and and carry that momentum into the end of that week going into your next stretch of games, especially with those tough opponents. So. I honestly am going to have to take the Blackhawks in this one in in a high-scoring matchup, especially with no Corey Crawford for the Blackhawks and all the firepower the Jets have. But I expect the Blackhawks to outscore the Jets in this one. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Honestly, probably my must-watch game of the night there. 
And then we also have a rematch. Uh, we got, got a little home and home for the Hurricanes and Caps. The Hurricanes hosting the Capitals tonight after the Carolina gets a 3-1 win over them. So it, it's going to be interesting to see that the Capitals were just in Carolina. It's weird. They're playing three of their four games within a stretch of like 12 days or something like that. So these teams have seen each other a lot over the past two-week stretch. They're very familiar with each other. But with how hot the Caps have been, I can't see the Hurricanes getting two wins in a row against this Caps team, even at home. Just saw the Caps beat them at home 10 or so days ago. So I just can't. I can't possibly side with Carolina beating the Caps two nights in a row. The Caps are arguably the hottest team in the league, and it's the way they've been playing. I'm going to have to go with the Caps in this one. I don't know. I think I think Carolina could pull off a win with the way their young guys are getting hot right now with scoring. I think the difference in this game will be the forward play and the goal scoring, and I think Carolina may have better goal scoring right now just after last night with the production of their young guys. Obviously, I don't want to count someone like Alex, Alex Ovechkin out because he can single-handedly beat a team, but I don't know. I may take Carolina in this game. I think that's a fair point because we talked about it earlier. We were re- recapping that game last night. Ajo's got 12 in his last nine, Terravoin in six in his last five. So definitely definitely going to be a high-scoring affair, I think, regardless of, of which team wins. Again, I'm going with the Caps. Katie's picking the Canes, so split, split, uh, split table here. But it's going to be a fun one to watch, no matter what. Especially when you got two Metro teams squaring off, and how close that division's been. And then, kind of on the on the snooze fest side, we got a couple of the worst teams in the league taking each other on. Uh, out out west, got the Coyotes hosting the Oilers, and be an evenly matched game. Yeah, evenly matched of just. Poor, poor play, especially what we've seen of late from from the Oilers, who have, I think, unquestionably more skill in the in the in the roster, but yeah, lost five of their last six. So, Coyotes at home. I'm going with the home dogs. I'm going with the Coyotes, worst team in the league. But again, the Oilers are just so cold. Five of their last six again, resulting in losses. Cam Talbot has not been the goaltender that we've seen from him, especially in the last season. So, uh, I'm going with the Yotes. I'll go Oilers. I, if there's one team that Connor McDavid can beat by himself, it's the Coyotes. So, that being said, I think McDavid will have a really good game tonight. I think Dryside will have a pretty good game tonight. And I just, yeah. I think it will still be close. But, yeah, Connor McDavid will win it for him. I can't see them losing this one right now after going on such a long losing streak. Fair enough. It's definitely definitely somewhat of a bounce back game again like we said for Blue Jackets uh, facing the Canucks. Definitely could be a similar situation with the Oilers and the Coyotes here, but in these type of games, I don't know, I always just tend to side with the with the home, home with the home team. So, uh, I'll go Yotes and probably probably the under in this one considering the lack of uh, we got star power with Keller and McDavid, but in terms of supporting cast, not much there on either team. So uh, I'm going to take the under in that one. And that's going to wrap it up for Episode 10 of Outside the Glass. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Great first show with Katie Harper. Thanks for coming on. It was fantastic. And we will see you guys next Friday.